Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good, good, good. Uh, I need you guys to do me a favor. Um, just make sure you engage and you uh, laugh at my jokes, okay? Even if they're not funny, just laugh. Do me a favor. Appreciate it. Uh, like Mike said, uh, my name is Mike. I am a, uh, well, I started off as a kid's, uh, I started off serving in kids, became the kid's uh, director, then the kid's pastor, and thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life, loved that job, uh, and then God had called me to go start a church in, uh, in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Uh, it's about 20 minutes north of, uh, of Minneapolis, and uh, thought I was going to be there forever, you know, loved it, and then COVID hit, shut it down. We were in a bowling alley. And uh, in the meantime, somebody had given me a warehouse in North Minneapolis, uh, close to where all the riots were happening. And I was not going to start a church there, but I was going to use it as like a base of, uh, you know, like a home base. We're all going to meet there. We're going to go out. We're going to do a street uh, ministry and go pray with people. And the more I walked around to pray with people, the more I realized there was a big need for uh, a church right here. And so we cleaned up this warehouse. I mean, it was a wreck. Uh, cleaned it up, invited people, and, uh, and that place exploded. And I thought I was going to be there forever. And then God was like, you need to not plant roots, you need to go plant churches. And so uh, the opportunity came up when, when Pine Lake uh, Camps came up for sale uh, to, to move here and start a church. And, and kind of part of the deal that we made with them was that we wouldn't just start one church, we would start 10 churches in the next 10 years uh, in Iowa. And, uh, and I was crazy enough to be like, I'll go. And so I moved here to Iowa. My kids are at home. They're 18 and 19 years old. They didn't want to move to the cornfields of Iowa with me, and so they stayed back home. My wife is staying with them until we can get them on their own, and then she'll come join me. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I plant churches, and, and uh, it, you know, I don't stick around forever. I plant them. I raise somebody up. I pass it over, and I go do it again. I'm the crazy guy on staff that likes that part of it, you know, planting a church. And Eldora, we, I had moved there um, six weeks before we started the church. We're going to wait. We were supposed to wait until September and then uh, quickly realized that, like, in that small town, everybody already knew. Like, day two, everybody already knew I was there, uh, which was weird to me because, you know, I came from a, a bigger city, and so I had never lived in a small town. I was at the American Legion, and I walk in, and this guy, he must have been, like, 75 years old. He's like, you must be the new pastor in town. And I said, well, how'd you know that? He says, are you kidding? Everybody knows that. And I was like, wow, interesting. Okay, so here we go. I told my, my, our senior pastor, I said, I don't think we can wait till September. I think we need to pull the trigger and just do this thing at Easter. And, uh, and it was amazing. I started walking around, putting door hangers on people's doors and, you know, going to the bar and hanging out. There's only a couple places to go in Eldora uh, to find people. One of them is a restaurant and it's weird there because you're sitting in a booth and it's like, how do you talk to people? So I'd go to the bar, I'd hang out, I'd have a beer, uh, eat a meal, talk to people. I put door hangers on uh, everybody's doors. Uh, I walked around. I started in the trailer park, and this was awkward and weird because when you go to put a door hanger on somebody's door that has a storm door, you go to their house, you open up the storm door, you're trying to put this door hanger, and you're jiggling the door handle, and you're like, oh, Lord, these people think I'm trying to break into their house. And then uh, I had these two chihuahuas 
follow me. Uh, and they were kind of like nipping at my, they weren't hurting me. They were just kind of like nipping at me and barking. And, and they followed me. I go up to this door and I open the storm door. And the lady's house, I'm assuming it was a lady. I never actually seen anybody. But the door just kind of opens up. And I'm like, oh, Lord, okay, this is weird. And I'm like, hello, you know, like, I don't know what to do. And these two chihuahuas just go inside. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope this is their house. And then I shut the door and I walked away. So... I don't know if I gave somebody's dogs away that day, but it's very possible, and uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but it was very interesting, and, and you know, God, it was just, God is doing some, such amazing things. We had 117 people at our launch, and, uh, you know, we did eight, eight baptisms now since Easter, and uh, just incredible, and I'm excited to, uh, to do it again and do it over and over until God calls me to stay somewhere or whatever, so... Um, but yeah, I'm a church planting pastor, that's what I do. And it's because I, on staff, I am the evangelist uh, on staff. I've been dubbed the Walmart evangelist because that's where most of my work takes place, my evangelism work, uh, you know, because the people of Walmart, um, and don't judge because you guys are the people of Walmart too, I'm assuming. I don't know you, but uh, just guessing. We're all the people of Walmart. We all need, uh, you know, some help in this world, but... I, this talk that I'm giving you guys today that I wrote, uh, it goes along with your, your series, Lost and Found. And actually, I, I wrote this talk right before I left Minnesota to come to Iowa because I was like, I said, listen, I'll go. I'll go to Iowa. But I said, you need to let me preach one message that's just been on my heart. And if this message that I'm preaching today is if I could only preach one message for the rest of my life, this would be the one right here. Uh, it's titled Going Fishing. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into it. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to, uh, man, just to be invited uh, into this church. I thank you for, for Pastor Mike for allowing me uh, to be here. God, I thank you for a voice. Lord, I just ask today that you, would, that you would speak through me, that you would encourage us. God, that when we walk out of the doors of this church today, Lord, that we would be mobilized to, to actually go be the church out in the community. We thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we lift up this time to you right now, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, so how many of you with a show of hands like to fish? Fishermen, fisherwomen, a couple of you. All right, cool. Uh, so I did not grow up fishing. Uh, my dad was not a fisherman. In fact, one of the first stories that I remember of fishing with my dad was he had bought me this brand new fishing pole. I was like six years old. We went out to go fishing. And I casted that bad boy, and in my mind, I was throwing something. So I just chucked this pole right into the water, and uh, it was scary. You know, my dad, didn't have, my dad had a little bit of a short temper, and so I was like, ah, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we didn't really fish much. I did some pan fishing, you know, I would, with bobbers. You know, I bobber fished. My senior pastor, Eric Dykstra, had asked me years ago, he's like, hey, I'm going to go take this fishing trip. Do you want to come with me? I was like, sure. So I packed up my bobbers and we headed up north and uh, we weren't bobber fishing, we were casting. I had never casted like that, you know, uh, using spinner baits. And, and uh, I had never caught, that was the first day that I'd ever caught a, a, uh, a bass. It was the first day that I'd ever caught a northern. Uh, and we caught probably about 100 bass that day, not exaggerating, just between the two of us. It was just, it was like a small little pond. And honestly, they were all like a, a, a one pound I, I think maybe it was just one really hungry fish just following us around the lake all day long because they all looked exactly the same. But uh, that was incredible, and I was, I was like, man, I, I love this. I'm going to go home. I bought, I bought some fishing stuff, and I started just fishing all the time. But when I first came to the church, I had heard about this concept of fishing, but it was fishing for people. And it was something I had never heard before, 
fishing for people? That's weird. What, you know, what does that mean? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about. Um, you know, we are called, as Christians, we are called to uh, not just be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but to make disciples. We're called to go make disciples. And so uh, I have a definition of what is a disciple. It is uh, the definition of a disciple is a student or an apprentice, also known as a follower of Jesus Christ. And on, I, had made, I had an opportunity to make a custom fishing pole. I took this class with a, a few other pastors, and we made our own fishing pole. And on that fishing pole, I had this inscribed on it. It was Matthew 4.19. It says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I thought that concept was interesting. And I gave my life to Jesus like 14 years ago. And when I did, it was very impactful. And, and I just wanted to go reach other people and tell them about Jesus because uh, just the way that I'll tell you a little, bit, uh, a little bit later in this talk, but how I gave my life to Jesus. But, um, but what for, prevents people from making disciples? What stops us from going out and reaching people? And I had a little list that I came up with. And number one, I think it's a lack of faith. I think it's a lack of faith that allows, that stops us from going and reaching people. Because if you think about it, like we read this story of this man named Jesus. We believe it, you know, we say we do. But it's an incredible story of a man who died and gave his life for us, was tortured and beat on our behalf. And we say, yes, I believe that. We go to church every Sunday and we sit down, but what are we doing with the rest of our week? Are we eager to go teach people, to, to, to reach people, to go tell them about this man named Jesus? Because let me put it this way. If your grandma had passed away and you buried her and you went to her funeral and I mean, grandma's gone, you know, and all of a sudden, three days later, grandma knocks on the door and she's like, Mike, I brought you your favorite cookies. My mind would be so blown. There wouldn't be anybody that didn't know that story. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you, you don't get it. Like my grandma was dead and now she's back. Like it's incredible. But there's this story of this man named Jesus. The same thing happened. He had died. And his disciples, I can imagine for a second, these 12 uh, dudes were like, now what do we do? This guy that we that we loved, that we were following our rabbi, he's, he, he's gone. We had plans. We were going to do things. We were going to shake the world up. We were going to change the world. And, and now all of a sudden he's gone. But then there was a knock three days later on the door and he's like, I'm back. And he's got holes in his hands and a hole in his side. And they seen him and they were like, you know, they flipped the world upside down because of the things that they've seen and heard. This man who they loved so much, who died and they buried and they watched him go into the tomb. All of a sudden now he's back and he's alive. And, and that's incredible, and they were on fire to go tell everybody about this incredible man that died and conquered the grave. They had to go tell everybody. It was because, in fact, those 12, those 12 men, they all died for their faith. Every single, well, except for John. John was the only one, but he was boiled in oil and like tortured and, and, and cast off and sent to an island. But every single one of them were willing to die for their faith. I say we just have to get a little bit uncomfortable for ours. You know, we're not being persecuted. We live in America. We're allowed to go talk about our faith. We don't live in a country where we have to risk uh, being killed or tortured or put in jail or something. We live in America. We're allowed to go, for now, we're allowed to go talk about it. There might be a day, a time where we can't anymore, you know, and then we, maybe we have a more valid reason for not opening up our mouth. But right now, we, we're, we live in a country where it's free and we can go tell everybody. But I think a lack of faith will stop us. And uh, the, the second thing I have is fear of man. We're afraid of what people might think. 
You know, if I go up to him and, you know, so here's my thing. I go to Walmart and, uh, you know, Holy Spirit will be like, hey, you should go pray with that person. And it's awkward, you guys. Like, I get it. You know, some of you don't know when you just walk up to him. And here's what I would do. I'd walk up to him and I'd say, hey, I know this might sound a little weird, but can I pray with you? You know, and, and most of the time people are really nice and they're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And when I was doing that in Minneapolis, when all the riots were going down, uh, you know, the whole world had been flipped upside down. We were, you know, COVID happened and the riots were happening and, you know, all of this stuff. And so anybody that I had went up to, almost everybody I went up to and, and asked if I could pray, they just started crying because they were desperate for hope. They were desperate for something you know, and, and, and uh, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody punches you in the face, you know? I secretly sometimes hope that that would happen to me. Like, hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, no, jerk. And they punch me in the eye. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I've been persecuted. Why, Jesus? Why? I think another reason is we get distracted, we get distracted in our lives. We have these amazing uh, phones and we're able to stay connected. And, uh, and I love the smartphone. I do you know, so much of my work on the phone. I distract myself all the time, you know, and watch videos and stuff. And we, we, we live our lives way more distracted than we did 20 years ago. You know, we have to stop being so distracted all the time. Put these things down. And, and, and actually, like, look, uh, observe the world around us and what's going on. And another reason is I, I think that we, we just don't pray for it. We don't ask God for it. Because if you pray for it, then he's going to tell you, yeah, you need to go pray with somebody. You need to go reach somebody. And then we actually have to listen to him, right? Because we prayed and we asked. And so we, we just, you know, we, oh, I'm not going to pray for that. And then if we do pray for it, the last thing I have on this list is that we don't go listen. We don't listen to Holy Spirit. It's awkward. I will talk myself out of it a lot, you know? I'm in Walmart, Lord's like, pray with that person. I'm like, oh, no, that person, that guy looks, he's big, he's got a lot of tattoos. I think he's gonna choke slam me, you know? Like, Lord, pick somebody else. I had this thing where for a month straight, I told God, I said, I'm not gonna, uh, any building that I walk into, I'm not leaving before I pray with somebody. And that was easier in Walmart, but when you go into the gas station and there's just one person in there and you walk in and you're like, all right, Lord, that's okay, here we go, we're gonna do this, this is the guy, I guess. You know, hey, can I pray with you? Uh, but it, it's, it's awkward sometimes. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. But we have to be willing to get uncomfortable. So uh, in order to be a disciple maker, we need to uh, do these things. We need to realize that's an investment. We invest our lives into other people. You know, we, we can make a lot of investments in our, you know, with our time or our, our money. But I think there's no better investment in this world than investing into other people. Invest your time, your talents, your treasures into somebody, then understand that investments are intentional. We have to be very intentional about what we do. You know, if we want to reach people for, for Jesus, if we want to flip this world upside down, we want to, you know, go deal hope into our community, we got to be very intentional about that. Pray for it when you, before you leave your house. Then remember that investments take sacrifice. You know, I know that we all live busy lives. You know, maybe you got you know, kids and sports and, and jobs and, you know, volunteering at church on the weekend and all of these things that we do. But, man, we have to make a sacrifice, you know, if you don't have enough time to just be intentional about, hey, I'm going to go out and just in my community and I'm going to go pray with somebody today. You know, make, make a sacrifice. Go do it. Be intentional. And then lastly, in that list is getting comfortable. It is very uncomfortable. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I would ask, uh, you know, I'd ask this question before. Hey, how many of you think, you're, you know, think of yourself as an evangelist? And out of a room uh, full of people, maybe two or three people would raise their hand. Oh, yeah, that's me, you know. 
Like, I understand that it's not comfortable. My wife and I are on very, uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't see eye to eye when it comes to evangelism. You know, she doesn't even like to go to Walmart with me anymore, you guys, because she's like, oh, Lord. You know, I'm like, Michelle, I'll be right back, and I'll just walk over and say, hey, can I pray with you? You know, so it's, it's awkward. Nobody will go to Walmart with me anymore, actually, because I push people to do it, too. I had this coworker of mine. We used to uh, run kids' ministry together, and we would go shopping at Walmart all the time, and, uh, and I would always challenge him, hey, bro, we're not leaving the store until we pray with somebody. You know, and that was really uncomfortable for him, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes, and it's so rewarding because it's not just praying with somebody. It's sharing hope. It's sharing Jesus. You never know who God might put in your path and just the impact that you can have by just opening up your mouth and getting a little uncomfortable. You have no idea what somebody is going through in that moment. Maybe somebody that God will put in your path has been praying to him for a while, God, I need you right now. And they go to the store and then all of a sudden you show up and you say, hey, can I pray for you? Imagine the impact that would have on somebody's life. And then you ask yourself these three questions. What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to sacrifice? What can I do away with so that I can make more room for reaching more people for Christ? What am I willing to sacrifice? How much am I willing to invest? How much of your time, your, your talents, and your, your treasures are you willing to invest? If you're not serving uh, in, in, in church already, that is such a great place uh, to just get connected and, and, and use your talents uh, to, to reach people when they walk in the door. How much am I willing to invest? And then how uncomfortable am I willing to get to change the world? Because, man, it's not easy. You have to get uncomfortable, you know? It takes a lot more than, than just coming to church and, and sitting down in a seat and then going home for the week. Like, you actually have to get uncomfortable if you want to change the world and do something. And Mark 16, 15 through 16, it says, And then he told them, Go. Everybody say, Go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know what that says? It says it's, it's our job to go into the world and to preach the message. It is not our job to do the saving. We don't have to put that pressure on ourselves. We just open up our mouths and we plant a seed and we see what happens. But it's the Holy Spirit that does the saving. We just do the, the speaking. We just do the, the seed planting and we allow him to do his job. So we don't have to put that, that pressure on ourselves. In Acts 1.8, it, uh, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere and Jerusalem, and throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is our job everywhere we go to go tell somebody. You know, I'm not telling you, like, to nag your, your, your friends and your family constantly, you know, hounding them, and like, you need to come to church with me, you know, have you heard of Jesus? You don't have to do that all the time, but, but share it wherever you go. Be willing to, to just share the gospel message with somebody. And in fact, we had did this Tour several pastors of uh, uh, and me went around uh, Iowa when we had purchased Pine Lake camps. Um, you know, just to talk about it and what our plans were, what our goals were. You know, where we see the vision of that that thing, which you know really hasn't changed at all. Our goal is to to reach kids who are far from Christ to teach them uh, the gospel message. But we had done you know this little tour where we talk, went around and just talked to to churches that were involved with that ministry um, to let them know or share our hearts with them. And we were in Davenport. And we got done with our meetings. It was kind of a late night. We got back to the hotel about 10 o'clock. The pastors that I was with, they were a little bit older than me. You know, they all went to bed at 10. And I was like, man, it's early. 
I said, I'm going to go see what kind of trouble I can get into. And uh, I walk out of the hotel. Uh, I turn the corner. I see this young dude. He's probably like 25 years old. And I was like, hey, bro, where can I go get a beer at around here? And he's telling me like different places I can go to. And I was like, you know, Holy Spirit was like, you need to invite him. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? You know, you want to go get a beer? I'll buy you a beer. And, and we went, we're hanging out. And, uh, and he's just sharing. He's, he, he was going through some things in life and he was just sharing and opening up to me and telling me how he was depressed. You know, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do with his life. And he's struggling finding a job and he has two kids and they were like three and four years old. And, and I had an opportunity to just speak hope and life into this dude. And I was like, bro, at 25 years old, I was in your shoes. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. My kids were about the same age as your kids. I, and, and I asked him, you know, I said, uh, who is Jesus to you? You know, I asked him about his faith and like, are you, you know, are you Christian? Do you believe? And, and he says, yeah. And I said, who is Jesus to you? And he says, he's God. And I was like, oh, this dude does believe, you know? And I went a step further and I said, tell me this, how do, you, how do you get to heaven? And he says, well, just be a good person. And that's scary because you know how many people that I know that go to church all the time that call themselves a Christian and they think that if you just be a good person and you believe in God that someday you're going to go to heaven. And I told this young man, I said, listen, bro. I said, Why? Why would God send his son to the cross to be tortured, to be beaten, to be killed if you can just go to heaven because you're a good person? That's not possible. You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. You go to heaven because Jesus Christ did all the work and you believe in him. It is him that did it. It is not you. You cannot earn your way. It is what he did, not because of what you did. And he was like, whoa, my mind is blown right now. He's like, I've never heard that before. And it was just an opportunity. God had given me an opportunity to just speak truth and life into this dude. You would be so surprised at the people in this world that, that had never heard the gospel story. That didn't realize that it was Jesus that did all the work. You don't, you don't realize how many people uh, just believe that if you're a good person, you get to go to heaven someday. And that's scary because there are people who have been sitting in church most of their life. And there are some churches that teach that. If you want to go to heaven, all you got to do is this, this, and this, and this. You know, say these prayers, do this thing, make sure that you're a good person. There are churches that teach that. And there are people that believe that, that if you're just good, you're generally a good person, you're going to go to heaven. Almost 50%, 47% of Christians believe that you can go to heaven by being a good person. That is scary. That is scary because that is not true. But God is using, he wants to use us to go teach people. There are a lot of people that call themselves a Christian that aren't going to church, you know? And, and just, I love to do that. When I have a conversation with somebody, I love to ask them that bold question, like, how do you know if you're going to go to heaven when you die? And based off of somebody's answer, I kind of know where they're at, you know? I don't believe that I'm ever going to necessarily, like, in just a one meeting, ever lead an atheist to, to, to salvation, you know, to, through that prayer. But there's a lot of people that just like me 14 years ago, I was ready, I was willing, I called myself a Christian my whole life, and nobody had actually ever shared that story with me. But John 15, 16, he says, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go, everybody say Go. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Just ask for it, God. Put somebody in my path today. Give me an opportunity. Lord, give me the boldness. I know this is going to be scary, but when I walk into the store, God, would you put somebody in my path that just needs to hear how good you are? And then do it. 
and then just open up your mouth and say something. So what are some practical steps to making disciples? We pray. That's the first step. Just pray. Ask for opportunity and boldness. We have this prayer that we did on staff. It was pray for Bob. And it was for Bob, it just stood for boldness, opportunity, and God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. God, open my eyes. Help me see the world the way that you see them. Help me see people the way that you see them. You know that guy that's on the side of the road that's panhandling, and you're like, oh, that guy's just probably going to you know, buy drugs if I give him money. You know how many people say that? What if you prayed with that dude, though? I'm not saying that you shouldn't give him money. You, you do what you feel you're called to do. But we can't start casting judgment. We have to see those people the way that, that God sees them. We are all God's kids. All of us are jacked up and all of us have a need for a savior. None of us are better than the other. Just because I'm a pastor and I'm standing on the stage doesn't make me any better than you or any better than anybody out there. God will put people in your path. Just open up your mouth and say something. Take an opportunity, but pray and ask for it. And then listen. Pray and then listen. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. The listening part is a lot harder than the praying part. Because when you pray, if you pray, and if you do it every day, God will put people in your path. He will give you an opportunity. But listen when he tells you to go. It's easy to talk yourself out of it. You know, you feel that the Holy Spirit's like, you know, show you somebody. And, and you just get that little, like, thing inside of you. And you're like, oh, man, I should really go pray with that person. But no, I'm not going to do it. That's too weird. That's too awkward. I got too much to do. I'm late for work. Whatever. We make excuses. So my next point is stop making excuses for why we can't and start making excuses for how you can. We can come up with a hundred reasons not to go pray with somebody. We, 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 can get, we can stay busy and distracted every single day of our lives, busy enough that we're never going to go reach somebody who's far from God. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep you distracted. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20 it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given uh, all authority in heaven and on earth. And therefore, go, everybody say go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, he is with you every time you leave your house. He is with you and encouraging you. He is with you, giving you the strength. He is with you, giving you the boldness and the opportunities. Just go, just go, just go, just listen to what he says. Man, we'll flip the world upside down if we all did this together. You know, there can't just be three people in our whole congregation that are evangelists that want to go reach people. We all are called to make disciples, every single one of us. I don't care how comfortable you feel or not. I know it doesn't feel good for everybody. My wife and I, you know, like I said, we're, on, we're, we're, not, we're, not, the, we're not built the same. But she'll do it, you know. If, people usually have to ask her to pray for them, but she'll do it, you know. But she's getting there. You know, some people think, oh, your faith is something that's private. It's not private. It was never meant to be private. It's super public, you know. Not that you need to go, like, bash people over the head with it, but go tell them. Go tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. Go tell them how Jesus has changed your life. There is somebody that God will put in your path that just needs to hear that. So 14 years ago, I had left my wife. Uh, I think I forgot to say this in the last service. Uh, I'm married, you know, to the same woman. I always, I always forget that part of the story. Um, but 14 years ago, I had left my wife. I was going to get divorced. Uh, we had, were married for seven years at the time. Now we've been married for 21 years. Uh, but, but year seven was rough. And uh, my kids were young, and we were fighting all the time. And I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. And I left, and I moved in with my brother. And, uh, and got very depressed. 
And my wife and I had, you know, we did like a 50-50 custody. We never went to court or anything. We just kind of, you know, we worked opposite schedules. So I watched the kids when she was at work and vice versa. And anyways, we had, you know, we maintained a good relationship for the most part. And, and I came to her one day and I told her how depressed I was. And, you know, I started having like, uh, you know, I wasn't contemplating suicide, but I started having these thoughts, you know, that I had never had, had before. And it was scary to me. And I confided in her and she says, pray about it. And I thought, well, that's stupid. How is that going to help right now? You know, like that's the dumbest thing I've heard. And, and my wife was a Christian. She grew up a Christian. She grew up in church. I did not necessarily. I, I grew up, you know, my grandma brought me to church when I was little a few times. And, and I called myself my entire life. I called myself a Christian. I was a Lutheran. Had no idea what a Lutheran was, but that's what, that was me. I was a Lutheran. I was a Christian. Uh, you know, I went to church with grandma for Christmas and Easter. You know, the CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. And, uh, and, but my wife says, she says, she's like, pray about it. And I'm like, man, that, that's, that's dumb. We had never prayed in our relationship. We didn't pray for, for before dinner or, you know, bedtime. Like there was never prayer. And I realized in that moment, as I'm laying in bed by myself, I'm 28 years old. And I'm like, I had called myself a Christian my whole life yet. I had never, ever prayed to God except for the emergency prayers. You know, like, Lord, please don't let my mom find out about this. You know those prayers? Like, God, please get me out of this situation. I swear I'll do anything. Uh, but I had never actually prayed to God before, and I was realizing I'm sitting in bed, and I'm like, man, that's, how, am I really even a Christian? Am I a Christian? If I've never actually talked to God, am I, you know, am I really a Christian? So my very first prayer 14 years ago was, all right, God, if you really exist, show me. Show me that you exist. I need you right now in my life. Like, show me. And what I wanted, church, was like, the greatest thing would have been like thunder and a lightning bolt, you know? And God be like, here I am, Michael, you know? And like, that would have been greatest because, I, you know, obvious, but it didn't happen. And I'm praying this prayer over and over every single day for two weeks. God, if you're really there, just show me that you exist. And I'm begging and I'm pleading. And it started with me laying in bed, just staring up at my ceiling. And I'm basically talking to my ceiling, you know? I wasn't really talking to God. I'd never done that before. I didn't know how it worked. And you know, I'm just pleading and, and begging, and, and it became like, you know, I was begging him out of frustration, you know, pleading, crying, God, I need you so bad. And then in two weeks after praying this, or, you know, two weeks of praying this prayer, somebody had handed me a card to the church that I currently work for now, um, and, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to go check this out. And I'll be honest with you, I was selfish. I was going to go because if it came down to my wife and I getting divorced, I was going to be the good dad that was bringing his kids to church every week. So I, I was bringing the kids, you know, and, and, and I heard the gospel message pre preached, and I had never heard that before. You know, if you would have asked me before I heard that message who, who Jesus was, I would have said he's God's son, you know, he's God's son. I didn't know that he was God in the flesh. I didn't understand that he died. I thought if I was a good person, I'd go to heaven someday. You know, if I believed in God, I was a Christian. But that doesn't make you a Christian by believing in God. There's lots of people that believe in lots of different gods. You know, the, the, the difference was this man named Jesus who had died for me. And I, and I heard that message, and it was like an answered prayer, like God had answered a prayer. And, and, and I went home, and I just remember dropping to my knees beside my bed and just crying and thanking God, like, thank you so much for answering my prayer. And my very second prayer was, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I'll do anything. You just name it. Next thing I know, I'm serving in kids' ministry. So you know it was a miracle, you guys. Like, kids' ministry? Come on. But I, but I loved it, and I became the kids' pastor. And like I said, I ended up here, and I'm, and I'm starting churches all over uh, the state. And, and who knows what God is going to do and how he's going to use me. But it just started with a simple prayer. God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? 
And then it started with, all right, Lord, I'm leaving my house. Give me boldness. Give me an opportunity. Put somebody in my path today that is far from you. And now I'm that weirdo Walmart evangelist that'll pray with anybody anywhere, and it's just because I pray for it and I ask for it. I know it's a scary thing, but if you start praying every single day, God, put somebody in my path. Give me the boldness. Give me the opportunity to reach somebody. Because at 28 years old, you guys, I had been around so many people that called themselves Christian, but nobody ever told me that story. Nobody ever shared that with me in 28 years. Why would they never tell me? Why would they allow me to just die someday and go to hell because they didn't want to tell me the story? We can't be like that. It is too urgent. This message of this man that died, like I said, if it was your grandma and you saw it actually happen, if you believe it, like you say you believe it, you believe in this book, we have to go tell somebody, how cool is this story? There's this man that died for us. Did you know about this? Did you know that if you just ask him to, 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 to just save you, that you could be saved? Did you know that if you just believe on him, that you could be saved? It is through him that you get salvation, not because of anything that you've done. Did you know that? Did you, you know when we just share that with people? In Romans 10, 14 through 15, it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Church, you are the messengers. That's you. We are the messengers. When it says how beautiful the, uh, are the feet, it's saying how blessed. It's not talking about actual beautiful feet. It's saying, how blessed are those that would go out and, and, and tell somebody about me? How blessed are those people that would get uncomfortable, go out into their community and start praying with people and sharing the gospel? How blessed are those people? How blessed are those messengers? That is us. We are supposed to do that. 2,000 years ago, it was those 12 disciples, and thank God they did because we're here now. But now it is our time for whatever reason. This time, this day and age, God had chosen you. He puts you on the planet right now. He says, you're the messengers that need to go tell somebody about how good I am. Don't waste an opportunity. Get uncomfortable. Get scared. Do it afraid if you have to, but go tell somebody. Don't let somebody in your circle live their life for 28 years and never hearing about that gospel story. Just go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. Just go. Go. So my last thing is this. So how do you make disciples? You show them. You tell them. You open up your mouth. You plant a seed. I give you guys these bracelets. Did you guys get a bracelet when you came in? So these bracelets are, we had these at church years ago, and it was just an easy way to go share the gospel with somebody. You know, it's just the simple gospel message that, that, that Jesus came to earth, that he died on the cross, that he was buried in the tomb, and that he went to heaven to go prepare a place, and that he's coming back for us. It's just a sh simple gospel message. Make sure you, when, you, when you're sharing that message that you don't flip it over, otherwise it's just completely opposite. It's like, oh, he, he went to heaven, then he came back, and then he went down a giant slide and jumped on a pogo stick and then bounced his way back into heaven. So be careful when you tell that story. But, but it's, just a, it's an awesome way to just share your faith with somebody. Give that bracelet away. Give that bracelet. It's not just for you. It's for you to go give to somebody else. Give it away. I don't know how many. I, I think there's probably a bunch left over. I'll leave them here. If you go, it was, the point of uh, when we did it was we had blue ones. And then uh, we would give that blue one away and we would come back to church and get a white one and to remember to pray for that person who's wearing the blue one. I have a car full of blue ones and I give them away to everybody everywhere I go. Uh, in fact, a couple weeks ago, I was, at the, I was at the gas station and some guy was like, hey, what year is your car? 
Uh, it sounds cool, but my car was a 2009 Ford Taurus. It wasn't like anything special. I don't know. Even, but, but, I was, but I hear that he's like, he's like, what well, here is your car? And in my mind, he was like, hey, come over here and tell me about Jesus. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And so, you know, I shared the gospel with him. I gave him a bracelet. We exchanged numbers and we're going to go get coffee next week. Uh, it's just, you know, every opportunity, every opportunity you have, you know, somebody says something to you at the gas pump. It's like, oh, that's an open door. It's an open door to have a conversation. I prayed with this guy right there at the gas pump, and I do believe that this dude uh, was a Christian, and I don't know what, you know, why God had crossed our paths and why we spoke and why we exchanged numbers, but uh, hopefully, you know, things start coming together next week when we meet. But use every opportunity you have and pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to wrap it up. Lord, I, I thank you, God, that, that you are a good God. I thank you, God, that, that 14 years ago, Lord, that, that I heard that gospel message preached and, and it completely wrecked and changed my life in a good way. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that we're not just disciples, but that we are disciple makers. Lord, you had sent us to go into the world and to, to, to preach the gospel to everybody. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person that can hear my voice in this room right now, Lord, that, that we would have boldness. God, that you would give us an opportunity to reach people who are far from you. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you in the ways that you are going to use us, Lord. God, help us to change lives. Help us to bring hope to our communities. We thank you so much, Lord. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.